All right, welcome into the Render Podcast. I am your host, Cam, and I am super excited to be here with Kelly. We are going to be talking about sales and upselling and what your sales team might be missing or forgetting to do when you upsell, which is an incredible thing, not only for your finances, but also to show your expertise as the professional in what you do. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and I'm excited to have Kelly here on the podcast. Kelly, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me today. Uh, hello, listeners. I'm super excited to be here. A uh, little background on me. I have, um, I've been in the industry since 19. Uh, it'll be 24 years in September. I got into it by accident, like most of us do. Um, we find out quickly if we love hospitality and serving others and MacGyvering things on site <laughs> or not. Um, but for me, I've always had a, a sales background. I have uh, pretty much done everything in the industry from a standpoint of overseeing a 7,000 seat baseball team uh, for food and beverage and all of those things to business development and uh, for rentals, as well as I come from a space of um, being a catering director and servicing over 400 weddings and large design corporate events, being a corporate planner um, and so forth. But for me, where I'm really passionate about and I've always built out my events or when I'm selling to someone or anything along those lines when I was planning events was all about creating these crazy and memorable experiences so people could raise funds and impact their communities. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me and I'm really excited to dive into upselling today. Yes. I'm very excited about that. And I love that you have a rental background as most of our listeners are in the rental world. And so I think what you are able to speak from is experience. <laughs> so I'm excited to get into it. Um, I know that when it comes to upselling and when it comes to selling just in general, there can be some um, hesitation to it or um, that, you know, old saying of the sleazy car salesman and um, yep. just some fear around selling because most of us who get into the hospitality industry, we like helping people. We don't necessarily love the pressure of sales. We like to help people. Um, that's what is kind of ingrained in our blood. And so sales can kind of feel a little different, although in the end, it's still helping. And when we're talking about upselling, it's helping our clients even more so because you're the expert. And so let's dive into what that looks like and um, kind of some of your expertise on what we might be missing when it comes to upselling as well. Yeah, sure. So you hit it right on the head. Most of my clients, when I am teaching business owners and entrepreneurs now how to sell or going in and talking to sales teams, we think being salesy or asking for the sale is icky. It's been ingrained mm -hmm. into our brains. And, you know, the example that you used, you know, the door to door salesman, uh, I think people see that and think that they're going to be that. And, if you have that mindset, you can sound like that, right? But 
whether you love selling like I do, or you don't, but you have to do it to have growth in your business, or for the listeners who have their own book of business, that they have a sales goal and they own that piece of business within the company that they work for, sales is really just a conversation. And when we look at it and simplify it to that way, it's a conversation between a potential person that is called a prospect or a potential client, hence where the name prospecting comes into. But it's literally to vet them through questions, through conversation, to make sure that they're a right fit for you, which I think sometimes we lose sight of, <laughs> especially in the state yeah. of where our industry is right now with everybody getting back to business. Corporate is like on fire now. They're ready to celebrate. Weddings 100%. have been back full vengeance, you know, for now since eight, nine months ago, which is super exciting. But at the same time, I think sometimes we forget, can we really help this person? And if we can't, that's okay. And what to do about those things, but it's to vet. And then if you can help them, that's amazing. Tell them how you can. And that's with showcasing your pricing, your packaging, whatever you do within your business, um, as well as being able to upsell. We, when you ask the right questions, you know what to sell to them, but it's also giving them the option to choose, right? And they may pick a higher package or a higher priced item than you might think that they want or need. Um, and then it's diving into kind of some steps to literally be able to land that client as well as continue the process and be able to upsell them on things. Because we know <laughs> when clients sign their contracts with us, regardless of what you do in the industry, the contract is going to change 5,000 times between the time they sign it until the time that it is you're delivering it to the client, right? So um, it's just, it's thinking of it as a full-blown conversation and a asking just in a normal way what you need from them so you can make the best decision to move the client forward in the process. I think you definitely making sure that we are understanding that it's a conversation takes yes. a whole lot of pressure off of that salesman type of mentality. And an acronym that I heard recently on another podcast was um, spelling out sales. And what it stood for was serve abundantly through leading and listening with empathy and skill. So serve abundantly, S-A, through leading and listening with the L, E for empathy and S for skill. And it was essentially talking about how us as salespeople need to be serving them from a servant leader's heart and listening to them as well. And that's how we are able to upsell. That's how we're able to show our skill and our knowledge is through listening to what they need. And then also doing it out of abundance, which goes back to upselling and doing it with empathy, which comes from that servant heart. And then having skill, you're the expert. We are all the experts in what our field is, whether you've been in the industry for six months or whether you've been in it for 20 years, you're the expert because you've dedicated your time and your efforts and your life to this business. And so you are the expert. And so if you're the expert, you listen with empathy 
you listen intently, you serve out of abundance, it's going to be so much easier to sell, hit sales goals, and lead your team in sales, which ultimately you can't, you can't have a business if you don't have sales. You have to have sales to have a business. And so you can't ignore sales. You can't say, well, I don't like sales, so I'm not going to do sales. It doesn't work that way. You have to have sales. So if you can switch your mindset into having it as a conversation or having this uh, servant leadership type of role into selling, it takes the pressure off of the connotations that sales just generally have attached with it. You think of those door-to-door salesmen that are coming by and they're selling you Tupperware or a knife set or things like that back, you know, in the early 2000s and 90s. Um, And that's what we think about. And then you're sitting there at your door and you're like, I really have other things to do. I don't really want to be listening to your Tupperware salesman. But most of the time when you are talking to your clients, it's because they actually want something from you. They want your rentals, they want your floral, they want your venue, they want your planning, they want your photography, whatever it is that you do, they're coming to you because they want something from you. And so it takes the pressure off of that door-to-door salesman or the used car salesman lot because they want something for you. And so if you can flip the script and flip your mentality of what it means to sell, it's going to be so much easier and it's gonna feel like riding a bike. Even if you don't know how to ride a bike, I realize that maybe some people listening to this might not know how to ride a bike, but something that you are skilled at, something that's easy and you don't have to think about, this is what sales is going to feel like to you if you can flip the script and make it as a conversation and almost kind of like a friendship with your clients because you know what you're talking about and you know that it's going to help them in the end. Yeah, it's really, it's practice. It's we use the bike analogy too, where it's the hardest part is the first push on the pedal to get the bike yes. going. But then when you get the bike going and you're going faster, it's easier because of the repetition and the cycle and all of those things. It's a, it's a circular movement. It's the same thing in that process. Um, you know, it also goes back to, it's much easier to upsell a repeat client than it is to go out and find a new client. And that's yep. very true. So, when you are like a really good exercise to practice is, and I always like to do this on a quarterly basis. Some people do it six months to a year, but we all have repeat clients. We all have referral based clients and it's very great to go back and track their process and their progress, right? So how they started out with you the first time that they booked you for a job versus the second or third time they've booked you for a job might be very different, as well as you know what type of services they want. You may buy rental furniture for them in mind because they buy an abundance of pieces from you um, within different types of events that they do and so forth. So it's easy to go in and do that because you already have a relationship established and you can call them and go, I know that we usually do this, this, and this with you this time during the year. Let's start talking about that. 
as well as what you're looking to do for those things. And I've got some really cool stuff that I would want to do for those projects because those type of clients are amazing, right? Like usually they will let you do kind of the cool out of, out of the box things with them that you might not necessarily be able to do with a new client or a new prospect because you're still growing that like know and trust factor with them. So that's a great practice to use with repeat clients. And then if you have a new client coming in and they've signed their contract, you've already landed them, they want to do different types of services or they need to add on additional labor or they want additional pieces to come in because you now have gone through a walkthrough with them and are looking at things and going, hey, we could change this or we could do this with that. Um, and then it's just presenting them the items and walking them through that process so they can literally go, hey, I need this, this, and this off of that proposal. This is amazing. And then it just goes on. So it's very easy to do that. Uh, however, you also have to set your team up for success in order to do that, right? So it's really about education with the sales team, for sure. Uh, and that's an ever going process, regardless if you have people that have been on your team for numerous years and are like seasoned veterans in selling, as well as new people that are coming on and they need to know company culture and they need to know your inventory and your services and all of those things and the way you want them to sell, the way you want to bring in the correct prospects and companies to work within your company to service them as well. Yeah. I love that you just talked about that sales doesn't end just because you have a contract that's signed. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, well, I already booked them. So I'm done with my sales process. Let's move on to the next one and hand it off to your operations team or continue doing operations yourself. However you have your business set up, but sales doesn't end just because you have a contract signed because a lot of times there is things that come up that us as rental companies or maybe as a florist or even as a planner or a photographer, there's things that come up that they need from you that they may not have thought about when they booked you. And a lot of times they book us sometimes, you know, the day before, like right now. <laughs> yes. Um, <but laughs> a lot of times in a normal environment, and hopefully we get back to this because it's super frustrating getting the day before or the week before inquiries. So I'm hoping we can get back to the normal when it comes to inquiries happening months before or even you know six to eight months before their events, which unfortunately is just not happening right now. Um, but when they book you six months before or even call it three weeks before, there might be something that comes up that they assumed their baker had a cake stand now they need a cake stand. You've got a cake stand, so why not offer those? Or even ask, hey, do you have a cake stand? Did your, do you have one? If not, here's a couple options for you. Um, maybe you're a photographer and you booked them for an eight-hour day. Everything's set to go. Well, the mother of the bride decided that she wants to order an album after the event, and she wants to take care of that right now. Something that you can upsell. Um, as a florist, there are many things that happen last minute. One, you have last minute guest counts that you might increase or decrease in numbers, but you might add on styling sets. Maybe you add on cake floral. Maybe you add on um, an extra installation or something else that comes up during the planning process in some of those final detail meetings with their planner. 
that they realize that they might have a little extra budget to work with. And so they want to spend something on something that they want. Whereas when they booked you, they booked what they needed at the time. And so every category of event has this opportunity. As a DJ, you might offer lighting and they decided last minute they want to add pin spots to their tables or they wanted to add on um, up lighting around the room because it's going to elevate the space. That's something that you can upsell. And so every single one of us in this events industry have something that we can upsell. We just have to think about it a little differently and think about the items that might come up in those final weeks or final days of planning and then build that into your process of when you are maybe a week out or two weeks out, you send them a follow-up or you get on the phone with someone and say, hey, I know that you've got some final details being ironed out right now. I just want to let you know that I have the ability to add on some extra things for you. So if you need a cake stand or if you need some styling sets or you need you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you do and you can offer, just put that in their brain so that they at least have it on their brain. Because like I said, if they booked you six months ago, they might forget that you even had cake stands. And now they're furiously trying to figure out who has cake stands when they already have you coming and you can just add on a cake stand. That's just a silly example. But we all have items that we can upsell after they've booked your contract. Um, right now, like I said, if they're booking a day before or something, it might not might not be able to upsell as much right after they sign their contract because you're literally going to the event as they're signing, likely. Um, but thinking about it in that way and being ahead of that, when we do get back to a point where we're booking at least weeks or months before their events, think about that now because it's going to happen. We're going to get back to a normal booking type of timelines, or at least I hope so. But um, I think that's really important to know, just like you just said, the sales process doesn't end just because they signed their contract and put a deposit down. Yeah, it. I feel like we sometimes have that more in corporate where they want to literally dot every I and cross every T. And when I was doing big corporate design projects, they're like, Kelly, it has to be this way. And I'm like, it's six months out. You are going to change this a bunch. That's why we take a 75% deposit because you're six months out. And then you can decrease what's on the proposal or increase because to your point with the lighting and so forth, like we just, one of my clients was freaking out a couple of days ago. They're like, Kelly, they signed this contract with me. Um, she's a, it's a planner. And um, I now have to go in for this wedding and tell them, Hey, if you want, you have 12 lights on your contract, which is fine, but it's not going to put a wash on the room and they need this many lights to go in. And I'm like, okay, well, get the pricing, get all the information, go to the meeting and tell the, it's managing expectations, right? It's that one side of it, as well as going, you have the choice as the client to decide what you need and what you don't need. And a majority of the time they need it. They just aren't thinking about it to your point, six months, even a month out, even a couple of weeks mm -hmm. out or a couple of days out, you 
we all know we get to the walkthrough and it's like, oh, you're going to need this, this and this or managing expectations with labor where they want a piece to come in and the labor has got to set up super early and then go out of the room and then come back in for a flip because they're doing a quiet presentation or something along those lines. And we are here to be the experts for them in those scenarios because they don't know. And it's really just an education opportunity moment. Sometimes versus the silly questions that we get, we just have to look at it as we can educate and then they can make the decision of what fits their needs and so forth. So, because at the end of the day, we're not the ones that are writing the check. They are. And it's an investment in them and their client experience and what they are providing to their attendees and guests and, and all of those things. Uh, we're not writing the check for them. So they have to make the best decision for themselves. Well, even in addition to that, a lot of our clients, wedding, social, corporate, whoever your client is, they don't do this on a daily basis. They don't do events. They might hire a planner or a DMC or the venue or someone to help them help, you know, pull all this together. But they're typically lawyers, doctors, teachers, corporate companies, their admin assistants, their CEOs, they're people who don't think in the terms that we think in. They don't think in design terms. They don't think about the little details leading up to an event. And so that's where we have to be the experts. We have to show them what they need because they don't know what they need in the end unless they have an expert like a DMC or a venue or a planner that is helping them do this. But it's likely that um, if you're working with a corporate event, the last event they did was probably their Christmas party in 2019. <laughs> and they haven't done anything since then because they've been trying to keep their company afloat the last two years. Same thing with the weddings. They have maybe attended weddings. They've been a part of weddings. They've been in weddings, but they haven't done the planning side of, of weddings and they're not in the events industry. And so things that we can do to help our clients is being that expert and showing them what they need before they get to that last final planning meeting. And they're like, oh my gosh, I don't have a kickstand or I don't have X, Y, Z. What am I going to do? And then they get stressed out, which then makes them maybe a bridezilla or someone who is not as kind to talk to. And But if we can get ahead of that and say, hey, I have kickstands for rent as well. Is that something that you'd want? Or do you think your uh, baker has that? Well, let me check with my baker then that's where that listening intently comes back in and you're going to follow up with them in a week or two. Hey, did you get in touch with that baker to see if you had that cake stand? And then that either reminds them or that you get an answer and you can add that on and it creates less stress on your team and it creates less stress for your end client. That's just an example. But um, something to think about is that you're the expert and you know what they need before they know what they need. And it also makes you the hero. You're solving the problem for them. They don't have to worry about it. Like they hired you because of the fact that you're going to provide this amazing service for them and you're going to hold their hand through the whole process. Uh, And you're there to facilitate that for them where you can make those suggestions to them. And if they don't need it, that's okay. Uh, but they may need it at another time later on down the road. So that's hugely important. And it not only creates you to be the hero, but then you get a raving fan afterwards because you held their hand. You did the upsells 
which is scary, but you did the upsells, which means that you are listening and you're caring about them and you're being understanding with them. But not only does it make you the hero, it makes you have a raving fan afterwards, which makes them tell their friends and tell their family members, hey, I worked with this company and they actually knew what they were talking about and they helped save a ton of stress. And I didn't have to go into my classroom as a teacher and be stressed about all these details for my wedding because I could be confident and I knew that my vendors had my back and they knew what needed to be done. That goes a million miles. Yeah. And it's also thinking about those amazing results that you give clients. It's having a list of examples that you can pull some, keep them in their head, some write them down, but you know, you understand your client's pain points. And this goes within the beginning of the process of having that conversation with a new prospect or a repeat client um, to literally being able to ask those questions and then nail really down what their pain points are, as well as being able to go, okay, well, I know they need this and we have they want a lounge grouping, but do they want a rug? Do they want end tables? Do they want a coffee table? You provide florals. Are you going to want florals on top of those pieces? All of those things and so forth. And what may start out as a lounge grouping with, you know, they're thinking a couch and two chairs ends up being a whole custom piece to their needs with end tables, coffee table, and then you've upsold them again with florals um, and all the different types of things that you have within your inventory. So when you're looking at your sales team and bringing on new inventory or getting them in a room and going, hey, what do you sell all the time? And how do you upsell that? How can you group that? What do you do? And if you have a couple people on your team, it's great for them to be able to tell the others what they're doing and how they're doing it because people can feed off of those ideas and go, oh, you know what? I would have never thought to pair that to this mm -hmm. because being in design, no matter what you do from this industry, whether you're a photographer or a videographer or in rentals or a planner, like the design is in the eye of the beholder. So mm -hmm. it's easy to get your team in a room and go, Hey, what do you sell? What do you like to sell? What do you like to group together? Uh, because even though we're in it every day, uh, with our companies and our businesses, our prospects and our clients aren't so, and right. with sales teams, Everybody has a different personality and everybody sells in a different way. So, and they have their go-to stuff that they love to present to the client because they know it lands. So having even more tools and more elements from your team to be able to share, that's hugely empowering. Uh, and it makes the sales team feel really good because they're being validated and being heard as well as it's going to increase their sales goals. It's like, it's a trifecta of goodness for everybody, mm -hmm. right? It's you're being the hero from the client. You're being the hero for the CEO. You're being the hero of I'm landing more clients. I'm hitting my sales goals, like all of those things. And you're building camaraderie with the team. Cause that's hugely right. important too. 
Well, and that builds culture as well in your team, which is what keeps people on your team and attracts people to your team. I just did a um, training with my students the other day, and we were talking about sales, and we were talking about hiring and keeping people because, as we all know, right now it's really tough to keep people on your team or to even hire, to even attract the right people. And it all goes down to your culture and what you pay them is what we talked about. And I was even having a conversation with my boyfriend this morning. He works at DFW Airport. And he was saying that they are not able to retain a lot of their employees right now because of the culture at the airport and that the culture just isn't, isn't the you know most healthy culture to be in. And he said, a lot of people are leaving. And I said, well, I was just talking to my students. I said, sometimes you have to facilitate the culture. And even if you're in a big company and maybe the events business that you have is your side hustle, be the culture be the change in your culture. Sometimes the leaders don't have it in them or they don't have the capacity to think about changing or improving their company culture, but you are just a part of the culture as them fostering that. And that's something that can go a long ways. And so for your sales team, having these touch points with their sales team is really important because it gives them one ownership over what they do And two, if you have them set up on a commission basis and they're sharing with each other some strategies that helps them upsell or land a client or close a client, that's not only going to help their own commission rate and make them more money, but it might help somebody else on their team make more money, which in turn makes the company make more money, which makes your CEO happy (laughs) in the end, which makes everyone happy because you can make more money and you can have a really great team environment and lean on each other as well and not create this, well, I'm not going to tell her this because I don't want her to steal my idea. No, you, you should do that. You should have these touch points with your team. I know on my team, we have sales meetings once a month. It's usually at the end of the month, right before our monthly marketing meeting so that our sales can influence marketing and then marketing can influence our sales. And it's really important to have those touch points and have kind of an agenda and a structure of what are we talking about in this meeting. For us, we always celebrate a win because that's in our core values. We celebrate wins all the time. So we want to celebrate what are you doing in your position that you're proud of that we can also celebrate with you. And then we talk about our mission. Why are we doing this? Keep the mission top of mind. Why are we doing this? What are we impacting? Um, How is this impacting not only us, but the communities that we serve? And then we talk about sales goals and numbers and strategies and feedback from clients and what's renting and what's not renting and what's selling and what's not selling. And here's some sales strategies that I've tried this month that either didn't work or it did work. And um, we, I learn stuff from my own sales team all the time <laughs> of what's working because they try it out. And part of being the leader of your business is you have to empower your team to try something out and then come back with feedback. Um, I would rather my team try something out, maybe run it past me before you try it, but try something out and then bring it to the next team meeting and say, hey, I tried this and this is what worked really well for me. Or, hey, I tried this and, you know, it didn't really work that well. Can you guys help me formate how I can change this a little bit and make it work really well? And that can go for a ton of different things. It's a great strategy to use for any type of team member on your team. But um, having those touch points with your sales team is going to empower them, give them ownership, give them that culture of, hey, I'm backed by an awesome team. 
it's not just me here on the front lines of the sales team. So some important things to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in the rental world and because you probably have sales teams that are selling it and then the left hand has to work with the right hand of operations and then being able to deliver it. So, you know, it's having those conversations with the operations team as well. They are your hidden treasures and liquid gold sometimes because of the fact that they are servicing the client and they are usually on site with the client and they can show you and give examples of ways to upsell as well because they're in it, Mm -hmm. producing it all the time and so forth. So um, having your operations team is very, very vital to that conversation um, as well. So because if sales is not setting them up for success, it's not going to go well on site. (laughs) Well, I would even add that your marketing teams are just as important as well because they're the ones hearing through DMs and through conversations with your community as well, what they're looking for, what they're wanting, uh, what they're engaging with on social media. You might be putting out some stories or reels or TikToks or whatever you do for marketing. There's so many options, but you might be doing these things and your marketing team says, you know, I posted about this certain thing and it really didn't get as much engagement as this other thing. So maybe try upselling a little bit more of this, or maybe you have add-ons to your inventory like vinyl editions or floral or uh, photography. Maybe you have um, engagement packages or maybe you have albums that you can sell, whatever it is that is your upsell or your add-on um, post about it. Use marketing as a tool to help you understand what's really reflecting and what's not. And it's not to say that the people who follow you are your end-all be-all, but it gives you a really great glimpse into what people are attracted to. So if you have bar facades, for example, and you have the ability to add floral to them, or you have the ability to add vinyl to them, post the bar as itself and then post it with vinyl and see what gets more engagement and more uh, likes or more comments or more anything. And that'll help you understand what is working and what's not working. Um, I listen to a podcast and read Donald Miller's books, and he's a great person in business development and sales. And he starts his podcast every single week or every single episode by saying your company is like an airplane. Your cockpit is your leadership. Your passengers are your team members. Your right wing is your sales and operations. Your left wing is your marketing and your fuel tanks is your cash flow. And so if you have sales and marketing on both sides, you can't fly your plane with just marketing and you can't fly your plane with just sales. You have to have both. And so utilizing both of those together to understand upselling and to understand how you drive your business forward and how you actually get to fly a lot longer with your airplane with two wings instead of one um, is going to help you immensely if you fly a plane with just one airplane wing or one engine on that airplane wing, you might get a little ways, but it's going to be a really rocky airline flight and you're not going to get very far. But if you have both engines going, you have both sales and marketing going really strong, you can maybe go to Hawaii and back. Who knows? But if you just have one going, not going to get very far. And so I think it's important not only to think about sales with your operations team because they can help influence what your sales are happening because they're on the front lines with your clients. 
But same thing with marketing. Marketing can help influence and help you be educated on what is even selling. Because let's say you have vinyl editions or you have floral editions or whatever your add-on is and you think that sells really great. And maybe your sales have a little bit, but then you put it on marketing and you're like, you know what? No one actually really wants the vinyl. I might be missing something. Maybe there's something else that I can add on that would be a better add-on. And then you test the market. You figure it out. You see what works and what doesn't work. No, it's so true. I mean, it's diving into those numbers, looking at the analytics, because that's the proof in the pudding at the end of the day. Um, And being able to engage your teams in that way and work together to be able to say, hey, this worked really well and this didn't. And how are we going to improve it? How are we going to be able to engage all of those things and so forth? Yeah, definitely. Very, very important. Um, what, What are some biggest upselling mistakes or things that people don't think about that you have seen across different businesses that have been helpful that maybe aren't top of mind for other people? So the number one question that is usually not asked in the sales process is what is your budget? Because we're Mm -hmm. scared to ask it or we get so excited with helping um, others that we forget to ask it. Sometimes that just happens. We just get so excited of like, oh, I know what we can do for them. And then we get off the call and it's like, wait a minute, I didn't even ask them what they're pricing or where they wanted to be. So there's some Jedi mind questions that you can ask them uh, instead of going, what's your budget? Because let's face it, everybody between us, mere mortals, and Jeff Bezos, there's a budget on anything. Right. Right. So um, instead of asking them, what's your budget, you can ask them, you know, on a scale of one to 10, when are you looking to invest in your rentals? When are you looking to book your photography? When are you looking to book your planning services? Um, You can also ask them because it relays back to pain point. What have you invested in this service in the past? And if it's been a difficult ride for them, they're immediately going to tell you and they're going to tell you why and what happened and what didn't work and what worked. Uh, So that's a very open-ended question. Sometimes it can be a loaded question if you're working with a prospect that hasn't used you before um, and has had a bad experience. But the where I find that that's very empowering is you know exactly what that bad experience was and you can literally plan everything around it to knock it out of the park for them and then be um, somebody who raves about you as well as you're going to have that client forever. So, and then quantifying the issue, anything about asking them on a scale of one to 10, what they've done in the past, what's worked, what hasn't worked. So you are formulating these questions where you can go, okay, they wanted this, but they couldn't have it. So, and I now know what they've invested before. And then you can sell to them what is within that budget because you know your inventory and you know your services and guide them through that process. So budget is the biggest one. Um, Not having a list of questions to ask based upon the top three pain points that you solve. 
um, is another factor. A lot of times with most businesses, they want to sell to their features, which are what they do and how they do it. That's a super safe space to be in. It's, I'm going to be on site at this time. You're going to have three lounge groupings. You're going to have two vinyl bars. You're going to have this. And this is what time we're going to come. And we're going to tailor it all towards, put your logos on it, all of those things. Because that's a super safe space for us. <laughs> because we know ex we know all the details that we can tell them. And yeah. sometimes, um, and they need to know those things. But Right. They're the, important, for they're, sure. They're important for sure, but the conversation should not be a hundred percent about them, about that with them, where what happens is, is what we teach and what we talk about all the time is you need to be talking about your benefits. And that's the harder part. It's why you do what you do and how you impact them. And I remember hearing a long time ago, you know, Kelly, why aren't you asking how you're impacting them, how you're changing their life? And I'm like, why would I even ask that? I, I'm a catering director and I deal with food. Right. Um, it's a really weird question to ask. But when you're dealing with a wedding, and I didn't get it until I was a bride, um, it's a second job. It's very stressful. You're having 5,000 questions asked of you. It's when is a date? What is the color scheme? Mm -hmm. Who are you going to invite? Yeah. Can I invite this person? Like, and I'm like, and they're like, why? I haven't seen this person in 16 years. Right. And it's like, when are you going right. to have a kid? And it's like, oh my God, I just got engaged. Can I please get married <laughs> first? Um, <Yeah. laughs> so from that standpoint, it's getting down to the nitty gritty of you can come in and solve those pain points of what is keeping them up at night with the research and the detail. And, you know, their parents are asking them 5,000 questions about furniture or about food or about, are you going to have a planner? And you solve that. And that's how you're impacting them. You're impacting them from not being stressed out, not crying over the hours of research, not having the fight over money or whatever that is. And when you stay in that lane, where it's, I know that you've had to reschedule your event two or three times and now we're coming out of it. Um, and this is how we can impact you. And this is how we can, I mean, again, for corporate, a lot of them, it's all about the ROI and nobody ever talks about that. They want to talk mm -hmm. about the setup. They want to talk about the inventory of what, but if you know a client is designing a memorable experience to impact their community and raise you know, half a million, a million dollars, you can go in and go, Hey, we're going to create this experience for you, regardless of its furniture, videography, photography, or whatever that is, and go, these are the ways that we're going to impact your in attendees. So you can send out the social media posts, you can follow up with them, you are going to create this lifelong memory of getting them to write a check for you. Um, that's way more powerful uh, but we tend not to stay there. We tend to just go, okay, this is how we do it. What's your date? What's your, because we're trying to deal with the 5,000 things that we have to do because we're in busy season right now. So it's trying to reflect on that and utilize your time in a benefits way to be more impactful where they're like, here's my credit card. Where do I sign up? I don't even have the proposal yet. Um, mm -hmm. And you're hitting those pain points that are really tough for people. 
Um, I was talking the other day to a rental company that they're like, well, I'm not getting ready to do COVID tents anymore. And I need to, that's been really great money for me, but I know that's coming to an end and I have no sales process and I need to train my team. And, you know, the question I asked them is, I'm like, do you even know what your MVP is? And they're like, no. I'm like, so how would it feel or how much money have you lost if you would have had a sales process? And they were literally like, I literally want to puke over Zoom right now. And you have to ask tough questions like that because if you don't, you're not going to get to the root of the problem. And they literally were like, oh my God, I need you in my life. Like, yes, please yeah. sign me up. Right. Yeah. But we have to ask questions like that in our business that are tough and feel weird. Um, right. And it's just formulating those questions. Before we get to talking to our clients, asking yeah. your question of what is your MVP item? What is your add-ons? What are your upsells? What is the ROI that you want to give to your clients? And I love that you brought up ROI, which for those of you who might not know that acronym, it's return on investment. Most of the time that's in money language. You're asking what your ROI is. And I want us to get to a point where we're not thinking about it immediately as money, which is what I think of. We're thinking about it as time. We're thinking about it as sanity. We're thinking about it as different things that we can give back to our clients. And um, and maybe it's not even to our clients. Maybe it's the impact that they are giving to their guests or their attendees. For a lot of corporate events right now, I'm seeing are doing events for their employees. And so the return on investment might not be money, but it's going to be retention. And it's going to be company culture. And it's going to be caring about your employees And so when you're selling a VIP lounge area or you're selling a check-in experience or you're selling whatever it is at a corporate event, you can tell your client, look, this is why it's priced at this because this is going to show your employees that you care about them. This is going to show your employees that you recognize that the last two years have been really tough. And it's been tough to not be with their other coworkers. And it's been tough to be on Zoom all the time. It's been tough to be listening to their kids in the background while they're trying to focus on their work. And so creating this experience where they're checking in and they have they don't have to wait in a line and they don't have to be confused of where they're going because you have signage that points them in the right direction. And you have a check-in process with a QR code instead of sitting there and giving your ID and giving all these things that you might have stuffed in your pockets or your purses, being able to create this experience while it might be a little bit over the budget that we talked about, it's going to alleviate the stress from your, your employees and it's going to create an opportunity where you can show them culture. You can show them that you care. And so flipping, again, flipping the script on what it is to sell to your client isn't necessarily well, I know that your budget was $10,000 and I know it's 15000 but sorry, like it is what it is. This is what we're going to give you. We're going to give you all these things and we're going to deliver on time and we're going to pick up when we say we're going to pick up and give you these expectations. Well, I would hope that you're going to do those things because you have it outlined in your contract. But what does it do to not only them, but what does it also do to the attendees or the guests or whatever the end client is that's experiencing this area that you're designing is really just have to think about it a little different. And we have to do that before your client reaches out 
And then practice. I think role playing and practicing these things with your sales team is also really important in creating these scenarios that happen often, whether it's a bride or whether it's a mom planning her daughter's, you know, 16th birthday party extravaganza, or she's, uh, you've got a corporate planner or a, you know, admin assistant that's planning this conference because they didn't have someone in the events industry for the last two years. They had to furlough them. So the admin assistant is doing it. So whoever you're talking to, you have to think about the scenarios and what you oftentimes are talking about with your, with your clients and then role play this with your sales team. And if you don't have a sales team, maybe you're an, a solopreneur still, practice with your mom or dad, practice with your partner in life, practice with your best friend. doesn't have to be someone who works with you. You can create a scenario where you're role playing this and you're practicing, hey, this is a scenario that happens. Can I just practice with you real quick of how I would actually make this happen and I can guarantee you they'll probably say yes because it helps you and they want to see you succeed um so I think it was really important that you brought up ROI and I just want to make sure that we flip that script of not thinking about it as you know you're spending this much on this and so it's going to save you this in the end what does it do emotionally and mentally and how do they show up and how do they go to bed at night and actually get a full rest of sleep and not have those sleepless nights leading up to their event because they know that you've got it taken care of. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it sounds weird, but it is super impactful. And, you know, with mindset, being an entrepreneur, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's all mindset, like 90% of the time, all the time, regardless if you've just started out or you've been in it for 20 plus years. Um right. But yes, role play is hugely important. Um, everybody that is listening has their tribe of people that they know that they can share secrets and talk amongst one another and all of those things. So using those people for role play, for hashing things out, anything along those lines is hugely important, but you have to have a process behind it. You have to know what your sales process is, what those steps are. And it's laying that out with all of your teams when you are looking to put together a list or an enhancements page or whatever that is for your team to be able to pull from that to be able to go out and know that, hey, we can do this. And I think what makes upselling really exciting is it's usually things that you've wanted to try or you're in the middle of an event and it's like, hey, you know what? We've never done that before. Or you're asking the client, why do you book us? Why do you come back to us time and time again? We love working with you. It's a question that isn't asked a lot of the time because we get so focused on delivering for them and it feels weird to ask them, but you have a relationship with them. I mean, we deal with uber sensitive things, whether it, you are in the social field or you are in the corporate field um, and asking them why they booked you and why they love what you do for them. You can leverage that to your advantage to be able to go, oh, I never even thought about doing that. And there will be interesting repeat things that come up from that feedback that you could develop this really cool service because you have proof of concept behind it and be able to upsell that and put that into your offerings and so forth. 
Yeah. I think that's really, really important for us to think about. And also thinking about after the event, getting back in touch with them and asking them, hey, why'd you book us? Like you just said, is there anything that we didn't have that you were looking for, which gives you an opportunity to add to your inventory or add to your services? Was there any pain points during your time with us? Maybe it was, I kind of wish they would have contacted me sooner or um, I didn't really know when they were actually going to arrive on the day of. Asking some of those strategic questions that helps um, make your team and make your processes so much better for the next time, either for the next time that that client books or just the next time that anyone books with you. And it helps to cross this bridge of trust that we're all trying to cross with our clients because they have to trust you to be able to book with you. And so asking these follow-ups is really important for sure. Yes, 110%. It's the follow-up, it's reviews. Um, Reviews are so incredibly important, uh, but we forget to do it. (laughs) Or Mm -hmm. it's the one item on the list where we're like, oh, we're going to do that on Monday. And then it's December. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) exactly. It's the same thing with photos from the photographer or something along those lines, right? Because we get so invested in the overwhelm sometimes of the minutia of busy season and, or we just forget to do it, to be quite honest, or we don't want to feel like we're stalking our clients, but those are things that you need for your business in order to be able to upsell it and sell it because you have pictures of what you've done. You have a body of work, all of those things and so forth. So. Exactly. Well, I think this has been an incredible conversation and I hope that it's given our listeners the opportunity to think about sales and upselling in a different light and reduce the stress that comes with that because we've been able to flip that script a little bit. Um, Is there any final words that you'd love to share with our um, listeners and where can they find you if they want to learn more from you? Sure. So final thoughts, you're amazing at what you do. There's only one of you out there. Um, and just keep chugging along, putting one foot in front of the other. I know that this year is an incredibly big year for our industry and, just knowing that you're validated and you're heard, I feel is the most important thing to put out to your listeners and just keep doing all the amazing, incredible work that you're doing. Uh, where you can reach me, I am online at emersonreesecreative.com. Facebook and Instagram are Emerson Reese Creative. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Kellyanne Peck. So thank you for sharing this time with me today. Yeah. It was great to have the opportunity to talk about my favorite thing, sales. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. Favorite thing, so I'm glad <laughs> it's your favorite thing for sure. And we'll link all of those in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to Kelly, you can have those in the show notes right below where you are listening to this podcast. Thanks for joining me today, Kelly. And we'll see our listeners on the next episode.